Everyone loves a success story, especially when the hero overcomes adversity and accomplishes the goal. But what if the story is your career, the hero is you, and the adversity is yours? Hello everyone and welcome to the Resilient Journey podcast sponsored by ClearRisk. I'm your host Mark Hoffman and today my guest is career coach Susan Graves. Susan is someone who can help you gain confidence in your role and give you some practical tips on how to articulate the value you bring to the table. Susan explains how journaling your successes can give you confidence and discusses what questions you can ask your stakeholders to get meaningful feedback about your value. And have you ever had a boss or client who was intimidating? Susan has some practical advice for that too. We'll get right into my conversation with Susan Graves after we hear from my good friends at ClearRisk. Navigating changes in the risk landscape can be daunting without access to the right tools. ClearRisk's centralized risk management solution streamlines the process of data collection and analysis helping customers make impactful decisions and focus on big picture initiatives. ClearRisk provides a highly configurable, easy to use solution that gives our customers the confidence to inform decision-making and proactively optimize risk in their organizations. Effective risk management begins with data you can trust. Learn more at clearrisk.com. Susan, thank you so much for being a guest on the Resilient Journey podcast. I first was introduced to you when you did a presentation for the Women in Resilience group through the Business Continuity Institute. I was so impressed with you then. And when we had the opportunity for you to be a guest on the podcast, it was a natural fit for me. Before we get into our topic, tell the listeners a a little bit about yourself. Oh, oh, hello, Mark. It's uh, really uh, great to be invited on on this. So uh, yeah, I'm Susan Graves. Um, I worked for a UK utility company for 25 years. Uh, I uh, I started as a graduate trainee in in IT. Um, I've always been in business change, so projects as a project manager and program manager. Um, The last um, sort of, I don't know, six or seven years of my career, I was implementing large uh, releases on the company's uh, enterprise-wide system. The thing I really, really enjoyed about my job uh, was helping people grow and develop. So I invested a lot of time in coaching and mentoring. Now I've moved to a different stage in my career and I'm no longer um, working in the corporate world and I've retrained as a coach um, so I can continue my love of helping people grow and develop. I'm now a career coach um, helping people, uh, often professional women, uh, grow their career to the next stage. And this may well be after they've received uh, some sort of setback so that they really want some help and support to gain the confidence uh, to move forward. I love that. And I appreciate what you do because all of us, whether we're just starting out uh, in our career or whether we're fully established, uh, we're all going to face different roadblocks, different setbacks, and we all need that support system. So thank you for what you do. I really appreciate it. That's also basically the topic of conversation here in this series. We've been speaking about how business continuity professionals can speak to the value that they bring to their organization. I had attended a number of meetings in 2020 and earlier in 2021, where my colleagues were expressing concern that the company that they worked for 
didn't seem to value their role. And so they were wondering, is this going to turn into um, a, a layoff? Or are they going to struggle to get budget to do the work that they need to do? And so sometimes speaking value to the organization means that we need to speak up to management or we need to communicate our value to internal customers. In your career now as a career coach, a confidence coach, you help people grow their confidence at work. So explain how a more confident professional might be better suited to be able to articulate their value. Okay. So confidence is the belief that you will handle whatever happens in a particular situation. It isn't about getting everything right or getting everything right first time. It isn't about being good at everything. If you're not confident, um, it's, well, it's, quite likely it's going to come across in your body language, which people are actually going to pick up on. You know, it's some um, some of the basics like um, eye contact, like um, uh, just you know sitting up straight, etc. cetera, um, which um, somebody that's more confident is going to be that bit more, have that bit more presence um, physically, um, which, you know, just subconsciously is actually going to enable you to have a much more equal um, conversation with the person at the other end and these are all things that you can actually um you can actually do and learn to do even if you don't necessarily feel um particularly uh, confident um inside um somebody that maybe isn't confident might um might spend a lot of time dwelling on trying to get everything completely right that turns into maybe procrastination you're not actually sort of taking the step that might um feel like it's making you a bit a bit exposed um, you might be dwelling on perceived criticism. You might be spending a lot of your mental energy you know, worrying about things, taking them home um, after work. A much more confident person is going to um, just just take action, take the action, and then you know they get a bit of a knockback. Look at that um, and, and learn from that, and take another action and take another action. And by taking action, even if it's imperfect action, you're more likely to get to the outcome you want. Whereas if you don't actually do anything at all, then you're not going to get um, to your outcome. And you know, being that bit more confident, you're going to um, raise your visibility. People are going to notice and start to um, listen to what you say. And if you've got that belief in yourself, that belief is going to um, come across. Um, to others so so yes very much you know confidence in your own value and the value of what you do if you translate that into your actions I believe that that uh, will definitely help you so to that point to be more confident uh, I know I'm generally introverted and there are certain settings where I'm very comfortable and there are certain settings where I start to get a little bit uncomfortable and intimidated is it normal for people who are seen as a leader in a particular area of work, like a business continuity or resilience or things like that, when they have to go in and run a meeting, is it normal for people to sometimes have some anxiety about that? And what advice might you give to push through that anxiety? Okay, so absolutely, it's it's going to be normal. You know, confidence is very situational. So if you're you know, meeting that you've done a thousand times before and you know what you're doing and all of that, you're likely to be um, very confident. But a new situation, slightly new situation with a new stakeholder or um, a situation where maybe it uh, didn't go so well last time, you know, it, it's um, very much likely to 
to feel that bit less confident. So a lot of it, um, a lot of it's going to be about prep, the fundamentals of preparation. You know, knowing your audience, uh, knowing what you're trying to get out of the, the meeting, possibly, you know, talking to some of the key people beforehand to get them on side. Um, all the you know, significant amount of preparation is going to um, pay off. But there's also um, it's giving yourself some time before the meeting to uh, basically give yourself a pep talk, um, allow yourself to go into that meeting in the right frame of mind, um, you know, focused on your outcome. Um, there's actually uh, research out there and a, a TED talk by uh, Amy Cuddy um, that very much talks about um, if you stand for a couple of minutes in a uh, very positive and assertive posture, like you know, hands on your hips, for example, that that actually um, actually gives, gives changes to your physiology that actually make you feel uh, more confident and, and assertive. Um, so um, just just that that sort of mental preparation and going in um, feeling that you can do this. And that, that's certainly what I would recommend. That's very helpful. I mentioned at the top that I met you at that Women in Resilience uh, webinar that you had done. And during that session, you described your five point strategy for increasing confidence. And one of the points that really jumped out at me, and I've done this, uh, was that we should record or journal our success. Talk about that technique and how that can be used to increase confidence. Okay, so you know, it's very natural, uh, we all do it, to concentrate on the things that you think you haven't done or you haven't done well, uh, rather than the things that you have done. And so um, often, you know, you might be successful 80, 90% of the time, but you're it's natural to focus uh, on the 10% that you haven't done. And this is about um, switching this around and actually really looking back and reflecting on what you have done. Um, I've, I've done this with, with clients. It's a technique I often use and I get really good feedback about it um, because uh, uh, so over a period of time, maybe once a week, um, it's really looking at what you have done. And once that's built up over time, you really think, oh yes, you know, I have actually got a lot of strengths and a lot of positives. Um, I, I, I used to do it on a Friday. Um, I did it um, when I was particularly going through a difficult time at work. There was, I had a lot of objectives that I wasn't particularly comfortable with. They were out of my comfort zone. Uh, and I was, I was struggling a bit. I wasn't getting particularly good feedback. And so, um, to make myself feel better, I started to write down my successes. So this is, this can be, they can be quite small. It's anything where you, you might've had a thank you for something or something tangible that you can say, I did that. It doesn't have to be huge. It's just, just a small um, building block. So as I said, over time that, that builds up and that's one of the, the ways that it, that it helps you can reflect and see how much you've actually achieved. But what I found um, I mentioned I had some objectives that I, I didn't really like. Um, I used to really look for what had I done um, towards those key objectives that week. And sometimes I could um, write down some, some good stuff and move, move my forward. But some weeks it's like, mm, I haven't really got anything tangible that I can write down about that objective. So at right next week, then that's going to be my priority. So then the following week, then I did have something to write down. And I also found by looking for tangible things to write down, it actually almost made, made me 
do things in a more tangible way, if that um, makes sense. So it really focused me on, on, on getting those achievements, um, fo focused on what, what evidence I suppose I had um, of those achievements. So, and that, then as that built up and built up over time, I found that I was actually achieving um, those objectives that I really um, didn't like doing. So it's very much, you know, in summary, it's reminding you to focus on what you have achieved rather than on the things you haven't yet achieved. And however small those achievements are, reflecting on them should give you a boost, which then gives you the confidence to go and achieve more. I like that strategy. And like I said, uh, early in my career, I definitely used it and uh, found it to be really helpful. But now how do we leverage that? How do we take journaling to the next step? Can we, I don't know, for lack of a better term, maybe brag about our successes? Would that be a good way to speak to the value that we bring to an organization? Absolutely. I think, and, and I think for this, it's, it's about thinking about the context. Um, I mean, in the first instance, I think it's, first of all, it's about accepting the recognition. It's a more, or the success. It's about not making excuses either back to the person that's praised you or, or yourself. Um, it's very easy to so somebody says thank you for something to go oh but it wasn't just me oh but it was only this oh it was nothing really and the first step is to actually just say thank you and and cut off the excuse that 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 comes after where you're you're trying to downplay the achievement so it's accept the achievement yourself first um, for what it is and I think that's really important and that does you know link back um, to the journaling. In terms of then the bragging, I think the, um, the first step is around stakeholder management or stakeholder identification. And, and I know um, this is um, something that uh, I've talked about uh, previously, but um, I very much recommend, and I used to do this myself, that you actually list all of your stakeholders. So I used to update this every, I don't know, three months or so. And it's all the people that I have, I had dealings with. So it's my boss, other people, management team, my internal customers, head of department, people that worked for me, um, key people in the legal department, all of that. Uh, I used to list them all. And then I used to identify which ones were the most important at that moment in time and what they needed from me. Um, and then I used to identify, OK, so how do I engage that stakeholder? Is it by going to see them? Is it uh, by updating them via another person? Is it an email? Is it progress report? What is it? What's going to work for that um, particular stakeholder? And I'm, I used to identify that in that review. OK, I haven't actually been to see that stakeholder for a while and that's a bit of a gap. So, so now I need to take an action um, to go and see that um, stakeholder. If, if you've got a new stakeholder, that's particularly important to go and have, if you can, that one-to-one -one with that person and find out what makes them tick. You know, what kind of person are they? What do they like? Do they like lots of information? Do they like little bits of information? And what do they care about? Um, so, so then you can really um, focus on, on what they need. So back to then um, sharing successes. So I think it's it's particularly relevant and appropriate to brief stakeholders on key events. So um, if you've got a stakeholder that, I don't know, it's the head of, of uh, the person that 
looks after customer services, if what you've done has had a key impact on, on that area, then it is absolutely appropriate to write a note if notes is their thing and basically say, I did this and I saved you, uh, I, I stopped X happening or I developed this much business or we've got more um, credibility now because we've got this external award. But it's about being in context. So if you're already updating that stakeholder on a regular basis, inserting that particular success is going to be much more natural. You know, that's very interesting. And it ties into something that James Green said in the first episode in this series. So episode five of the Resilient Journey podcast, we were talking about articulating value. And James started off by saying, yeah, but what is value? Value to who? Value by your own definition? Or is it value as understood by your stakeholders? And we recommend in the business continuity world to do a stakeholder analysis to understand who your organization's key stakeholders are, what their needs and expectations are, and then to actually go as far as to understand what actions you have to do to meet those needs and expectations. And there's your value. And when you do that, as you just said, to report back on it, it really uh, goes a long way to, you know, you call it toot your own horn or um, you know, promote the successes that you've had. So that's that's very helpful. What other aspects of your five-point strategy could someone who is maybe struggling to articulate value to their management team or internal customers, what else could they use out of your strategy? So again, this very much links back to the stakeholders that you've identified. Um, can you pick key people in that stakeholder group and ask them for feedback. So first of all, you would need to very much position why you wanted feedback. So if you want feedback, feedback so that you can make sure you are adding the right value to the organization or whether it's for your own personal development or a mixture of the two, be honest and clear about uh, why you want that feedback. And you know what I've found in the past is that that can be a really interesting device to work with people who maybe you don't necessarily have that good a relationship with. You've got some relationship with them because they will um, listen to the request, but you're not particularly on the same wavelength. And asking for feedback from, from people like that can be a real turning point because if they give the feedback, then they are actually recognising that, yes, you absolutely do have a value and they can help you uh, move forward and get to get better, um, but you're also going to get a bit of an insight into what's important to them and, and what makes them tick. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just had two mm. kind of thoughts that bombarded me here with what you just described. The, the first thing is when you ask for feedback from someone like that, you know, you have to be willing to hear things that might be uncomfortable for you. But in the long run, that's really for your own good and for your own development, right? Absolutely. The other thing that jumps out at me in, in all of your answers is you're taking a proactive approach to your own development and your own confidence. It's not passive where you're sitting back and you're wringing your hands and you're hoping that everything is okay. You're constantly evaluating it. You're looking at your successes, you're setting goals and where you need that development where you need that work based on the feedback, based on your own internal feedback, you take control of it. You don't just sit back and hope for the best. 
no absolutely you know that that's um, that's a really good um set of, of connections and you know picking up on what you said about yes you've got to be willing to hear things that you might find um difficult i think you know one of the um that it can help to be clear on the questions that you ask um so the questions that i recommend um which uh, as a start point you know so what should i continue doing what should i stop doing and what should i start doing because those are quite specific and factual questions and therefore what you're going to get back you still might not want to hear it but it's going to be tangible and and you're going to be able to get actionable learned development points from it whereas if you're if the questions are very loose you might get something vague and fluffy back that maybe feels a bit negative, but you don't know what you need to do to change it. Um, so by being very specific and asking those quite fact-based questions, what you get back, I mean, you may then need to interpret it and, and go back to that individual and have that conversation because it could be actually the basis of a misunderstanding about your role or, or something like that. But that's fine because if you've opened that dialogue, you can go and address that. Uh, but often, you can often get some real real gems out of feedback from that particularly if, it, if you're brave enough to ask somebody that you're not totally comfortable with yeah I, I it's so practical I love that what should I keep doing what should I stop doing what should I start doing there's a, a lot of room for good uh, constructive feedback there we talked earlier about having some anxiety going into meetings or, or different things I've been in situations more than once where I've worked for verbally aggressive clients. Um, they've made it very intimidating for me to ask a difficult question or give feedback that I think they're going to disagree with. Um, they, they made me feel like I had to choose my words very, very carefully. So it really resulted in me basically being afraid, and I don't use that word lightly. I mean, literally afraid to say the wrong thing in fear of, just a massive tongue lashing. What advice would you give to professionals who might find themselves in a similar situation? Yeah, so very much understand, <laughs> can relate to what you're saying um, there. And, and you know, when, when I've come across this situation, you know, on, on reflection, looking back now from my training as a coach, et cetera, I think a lot of it is about um, different personality types the kind of person that you're um, talking about there is likely to be somebody that deals with things at a high level rather than um, being a detail kind of person and is often um, probably very task focused as opposed to people focused that doesn't mean to say they can't do people but they're very much results bottom line give it to me now um, don't waste my time kind of people so a lot of this again is about um, preparation it's about understanding if you've got that kind of person you know you don't go in with um, a whole load of detail and it's so then important to understand where they're coming from and what they care about because they're probably under a lot of stress as well which is where this um, behavior is um, coming from as well so you know, a lot of it is going to be about preparation I mean if you're actually in that situation yourself and it's and it's it's going really wrong I mean to if again if you're feeling really brave you can stop and go this isn't working can we start again but I appreciate that that's a, a real really really difficult thing um, to do under pressure 
But if you've got the time to prepare, um, you know, ask advice from people around them. You know, if they're that difficult to deal with, they're probably known as somebody that's quite difficult to deal with, but they'll have people that know um, how to introduce topics uh, to them. And so you can you can get advice from, from those people and, and understand, you know, what they care about so you can express it in that context. And the other thing is, you know, who do they listen to? Um, so do you first go and work on those people and get them on side so they can brief um, the, the person that, that really doesn't have the time um, to deal with you properly? And then when you do go and see them, you know, you're halfway there um, because, uh, because the, ground, the, the ground has been sort of ploughed for you, if you like. So that's, uh, so yes, it's uh, more about preparation uh, rather than um, being able to diffuse the situation at the time. That's brilliant. Good. Hey, I'll get you out of here on this. If um, someone's listening and they feel like they could use a career coach or a confidence coach, I assume in this day and age, you can do sessions virtually. So how could uh, someone get in touch with you? So um, please um, contact, connect with me um, on LinkedIn, um, Susan Graves. I also have a website, which is susangraves.co.uk, and you can contact me through that. Great. Susan, thank you for this. This was very practical, very insightful, and uh, I appreciate you very much being a guest on the Resilient Journey podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. I want to thank Susan Graves for spending some quality time with us in Episode 7 of the Resilient Journey. And as always, a huge thanks to Clear Risk for sponsoring the podcast. To learn more about how ClearRisk can help you streamline the collection and analysis of risk-related data, go to clearrisk.com. In Episode 8, we chat with Sean Watson. Sean is a recruiter for Risk and Resilience with Anderson Steinberg, and he explains why some organizations are about to lose some very good people. Our market is booming. So join us next time, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.